0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. chase thomas podcast. the chase thomas podcast um my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it all right welcome back to a
0: monday afternoon edition of the chase thomas podcast old friends long time long time podcast partner yovan bu of the athletic yovan good afternoon sir how are you
2: hanging in there that's the the best i can say how are you doing
1: you
0: know, same old, same old. I, it's getting real. Basketball is here in two and a half weeks. Baseball will be here two weeks. Um, fingers crossed and everything. The college stuff is just, i who knows? Um, I'm just, I'm ready to, I had this thought last night where I was like, oh, maybe I could write about this this week. And I, I just want something sports related to write about again. Like I am losing my mind, not having something, that I can actually write about like actual news stats and actual things that are happening um, again. And I'm sure you're the same way where you're like, you never thought you'd be dying to do a Clippers post game recap, <laughs> but here we are. Right.
2: Yeah. It's you, you, miss the, the, the just experience of like, I mean, I was just thinking about it. I was like, right now we should be in free agency. Like this should be the second week of free agency right now. Um, We should already have a champion. uh, And just trying to think about like what that would look like and and what all the storylines like should have been right now. And um, it's just kind of crazy to think about that. Uh, You know, of course, there are bigger things going on and, um, you know, very, very serious things. But uh, in our little part of of the world and with what we do, um, it, it is interesting to think about uh all the stuff we just haven't been able to do all the stuff we miss and and kind of where things were supposed to be at this point uh in the calendar
0: yeah but you know things are gonna be weird and i'm honestly one of the blessings from this is that the nba season moving to december start like late december that is something that i wanted to see happen anyway and now that that's where they're heading that's gonna be awesome like that would be so much fun if that was the new normal of just NBA starting on Christmas Day. That that is some that is that is what I want. That is some good quality content. That is what I want.
2: <laughs> I I yeah. I mean it, it seems like what December f is the projected date that it's supposed to start. I'm not looking um, at that yet, 'cause like they, they think, gotta get
0: through this season. Let's just see. They can throw out whatever dates they want. I
2: mean well, that's the, yeah. that's the thing. That's the thing. Um, I, I do think it, it's going to be like what? What would you put the odds at of, of the season even finishing? Because this year, maybe I. I mean, it's it's hard to even say, but sixty percent. Like I, I don't think
0: season. It, do you mean like the regular season or like just the the,
2: the, the, the whole season? Like we, like we have a chance. Like we go through the playoffs. We have a, a champion. What would you put those odds at?
0: I would put those odds pretty high. I would say like seventy to eighty. I really think LeBron's gonna push this through no matter what. Like, LeBron is making this happen. Like, I do not think there is any part of him that's letting the season shut down. And I believe in the bubble more than I believe in the other leagues. I believe in like, baseball? I don't even know. The fact that they're still gonna have like, 14,000 fans and that they're going to travel to different places, I understand it's gonna be regional and everything, but like, those I'm way more like, good luck, man. Um, sure. Let's see what happens, but the nba the bubble they're doing everything they can they're spending all this money to make sure it happens um i don't know i, I would i would say that the odds of them just canceling the regular season games at some point because teams get keep getting pulled out just to get people out of there that i could see Or like enough um COVID taste uh, cases happen early on or something like that like i could see them just saying screw these final eight games um after like two or three or something and being like all right we're just going to take a little a two-week break and then we're just going to the playoffs like i could see something like that for sure
2: yeah i mean it's fascinating if it happens during the playoffs right like if you're in let's say it's like game four game five of like i don't know game five and the series two two and multiple guys from a, a a team go down Um, you know, like do you play that game five? Do you postpone it for um you know, like it it, based on the way the schedule is right now, it looks pretty compact where it's like, you know, you're almost playing every other day Mm. um and there's not much wiggle room with that uh you know, once you get to the postseason. So I just I don't know what you do in that scenario. And it's like, what if you are the because I, I think, you know, I know we're gonna discuss multiple teams today, but I think if you are the two L.A. teams in Milwaukee, to me, those three teams are at a different level than everybody else. And and at least up to this point in the season, based on what we've seen, are at a different level than the rest of the field. And I'm like, if if it's one of those three and, and you all of a sudden have multiple guys go down, like that's pretty tough to, to just be like, hey, you know, Lakers don't play without one of LeBron or A.D. Plus, like. Danny green JaVale, and and you know they're already missing guys, so I, I just don't know what the like you know what's the breaking point of of not letting a team play and then if a team can't play, are they eliminated or, or is it postponed like what what do you do um so I, I think that that's gonna be one of the main questions that hopefully we don't have to face and, and you know it doesn't pop up, but seems Bro, you know relatively getting- realistic yeah,
0: like that's yeah. the interesting thing is. It's an uncomfortable conversation to have, but the league would not operate the same way with LeBron getting a positive case, uh, a positive test in a 2 2 matchup against the Clippers than it would be if Rondo did. And then you're yeah. like, okay, how does this work? Like, well, let's see what happens if it actually ends up being a superstar, like someone who actually has a monumental case and presence in who becomes the NBA champion this summer. Like that changes everything then you want to see how this league reacts do you take two weeks off for the stars and then you or and you don't and you just keep going next man up for the for dante di vincenzo or something like then you get into some really weird murky i don't know man like I, that is an uncomfortable conversation but my gut is telling me they will operate differently depending on whether or not it's a superstar versus a role player which all kinds of moral questions there but. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you share that sentiment?
2: I, I, I guess. Um, I mean, mean, it sounded like from everything that was reported, if enough stars were, were going to sit out the restart, then that was going to be a a major consideration for the league in, in terms of whether they went forward with it or not. So I think if you operate under that kind of perspective, um, I guess that would happen. But, you know, again, it's just like, what if the Lakers, you know, we were, we're talking about a star. But what if it's like LeBron, AD and Danny Green go out and you're just like, you know, they're not. They're, that's a lottery team, right? Like the, yeah. that's one of the worst teams in the league if you, if you take those three Absolutely. off of it. Um, so you know, is that still the same team? But then you have a team like the Nets who um, already was decimated, but like it is now a shell of itself. And
0: Kenneth um, Reed,
2: let's go. Like, I, I just, I don't I don't know. I don't know where the line is. Um, but you know, but then you're kind of like, okay, well, what if, um, I'm trying to think of like, who's a st- I don't, Let's say like, what if drew holiday gets it? Mm. And the, the Pelicans keep playing, and then Jason Tatum gets it, and then all of a sudden you shut down the Celtics. It's I don't know, it's just like a little tricky of like where's that line, you know what what level of a star do you have to be? Is it is it like an MVP candidate? Is it like a top ten player? Is it a top fifteen player? Like I don't really know where you draw that line of this guy is important to shut down his team or the series or, or even potentially the season, right? Like, cause if, if LeBron Kawhi and Giannis go out, um, I don't know what the NBA does, but, uh, it's going to be interesting. And that's, that's kind of the, the thrill of all of this, but it, it's also kind of the downside of like, we could get to the semifinals or conference finals and, and something, um, you know, c- catastrophic happens and all of a sudden, uh, you know, everything we kind of were, you know, we're, we're going for is over now.
0: Well, I've got some breaking news as we started recording on uh, from Chris Haynes of Yahoo. Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., and Tori Craig have not made the trip to Disney for the Nuggets. Their team we're talking about on this podcast today, and uh, that's a problem.
2: <laughs> so, like, half the Nuggets team has COVID,
0: basically? Yeah, that's uh, not good. Um, not wait, good.
2: Wait, wait. I don't want to speculate, but I, I think at this point, if you haven't made the trip and it hasn't been reported as an excuse... Um, that's it's not looking great
0: man like they're gonna be some guys who get there then they're playing the next day based on the timelines right after the quarantine and like how long like they're literally gonna be right up against it they're gonna be hopping in no team practice no anything it's like all right suit up um well not not really i guess suit up because they're not allowing uh players to do the walkthroughs um with their normal clothes they're gonna be going straight uniform all the way up um all these little weird components man i yeah that's not good um it's going to be some very summer league feeling basketball to end this regular season just a lot of let's just see what happens and shake some rust off and a lot of guys who've never played with each other and a lot of five man lineups that just have like 60 minutes or less together on the season that are just thrown together for uh some h- high volume um play like it's it's going to be ugly looking i think like this i'm just happy Basketball's coming back, but like I really I think it's gonna be <laughs> quite ugly uh to see what this looks like with just the limited practice and people coming in and out and I i don't know. Um but the three teams that we're gonna talk about um today, Western conference teams last week, uh Neil Payne of 538, and I did it three Eastern Conference teams that we were interested in. Um this week, we're doing Western Conference because Jovan's Yovan's a Western Conference guy. So we're gonna make it happen. And the Clippers, Nuggets and uh, Mavericks are who we're going to talk about. Um, the Mavericks portion of the podcast, I'll probably be uh, teary-eyed and uh, <laughs> a little emotional, but um, we'll get through it together, Yopon. Um The Clippers, I, I think they're a team that you're quite familiar with, team that I am familiar with, that I very much like. They have, um, I believe, the third best title odds behind the Lakers and Bucks, respectively. Um, I want to first ask you, and this was something I had forgotten, that right before, I guess the last couple weeks before... Um, Corona just shut down the league. Reggie Jackson was earning, um, Doc Rivers' trust. And now with the news of Shamit, like, is Shamit altogether ruled out? Is he, or he might come later? I didn't, I saw that he's, he hasn't come. She, he, he, he's going to be there. Okay. Um,
2: yeah, he'll, he'll be there. He's just, uh, still dealing with, uh, Corona.
0: So he just didn't, he didn't opt out. He's just dealing with that. No, 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 no. Okay. He's, he's, de- yeah. Um, is that true? Is Doc trusting when I, mean, I was looking at Reggie's shooting numbers, like in LA, and you're like, oh, he was like shooting forty-five percent from three, and you're you're going, huh, he might play crunch time for the Clippers in the playoffs this year. Is that is that a crazy thought or was that real? And Doc really does trust Reggie Jackson right now.
2: Uh I, I would I would kind of hedge somewhere in the middle. I, I don't okay. think he's going to be closing games. Um I, I think a fascinating question to me. Um, and this has been going back to the preseason has been what the Clippers closing lineup is going to look like. And, and I think there's almost two conversations where one side is is what it should look like. And one side is what it's going to look like. Mm. Um, because in, in my opinion, as someone who has covered the team, um, obviously all season, you know, watch them as much as anybody. Uh, I, I don't feel great closing games with Montrez Harold new Williams at the highest levels, mm. you know, against the Lakers uh, against the bucks or whoever comes out of the East. If, if they, you know, assuming the Clippers make it there. Um, I, I don't feel great about that combination because for as good as they are offensively, especially in the pick and roll together, um, you can score as many points in the pick and roll against them. Uh, if you're targeting them, uh, we, we saw it, it became a storyline against the Lakers, with Lou Williams of of LeBron targeting him. And and there was uh, a sequence of about three or four consecutive possessions where the Lakers scored targeting Lou in the pick and roll. And and that kind of became a storyline. And I think it was overblown. And then on on the Clippers side, they were kind of like, yeah, well, this is one game and it's LeBron and and the Clippers will figure it out. But this has been something that's been going on, you know, right before the all-star break, they lost games to the Sixers and the Celtics With, you know, I wouldn't want to put it all on Lou, but there were critical defensive possessions that those teams scored on directly because of Lou. You know, Boston did the exact same thing the Lakers did uh, with Jason Tatum as the ball handler, targeting whoever Lou was defending. They would bring his man uh, as the screener and then force him to either switch onto the ball handler, which you obviously don't want him switching onto Tatum or, or LeBron, or to try and recover to that guy who's either popping out or rolling and Lou is not great at recovery. So either way, it put the Clippers in a predicament. Um, So I think that is a storyline to watch because Lou Williams on paper is probably the third best guy on this team. You know, he he definitely is an important Clipper figure. You know, you look at the last couple of years, he's been the leading scorer, hit some big shots in, in the playoffs against the Warriors. Like this is an important guy in that locker room but he's someone that might have to be benched at games just for how bad he is defensively. Like he's in the conversation for worst defender in the league. And, and that's not hyperbole. Just look at the defensive metrics, like across the board, he, he rates in like the bottom 10 and most, you know, catch all defensive metrics. So the Clippers have a dilemma with, with Lou Williams. And, and then I think they kind of have a dilemma with Montrez Harold, just because he's six foot seven and he, he's, he's active defensively. He, he takes charges, but at the end of the day, there are limitations to having an a undersized five. And he's not a Draymond Green-level defender. You know, he, he has limitations. He's not a great rim protector. He's not a good defensive rebounder. Um, his rotations can be a little shaky. So I just think when, when you combine those two together defensively, yes, the other three guys on the court might be Kawhi, PG, and Pat Bev, but I don't think that's good enough to make up for having you know, a, a, average to below average defender in Trez and a really bad defender in, in Lou. So to me, you know, we, we went into the closing lineup situation. Like I think a, a more realistic option is, is maybe, is maybe benching Lou going with Pat, maybe putting Marcus Morris in there, putting Jermichael green in there. Um, and, and that, mm-hmm. that maybe gives you another kind of bigger four to, to help Trez on the boards. Um, you know, I think the, the locks to the close games are Kawhi PG and Pat. Those are the three yes. guys who are going to be out there. He's also it's the other two rebounder. spots that are going right. to be um, kind of rotating.
0: Like Pat Bev is actually a low key, like great rebounder, like one of the best rebounders for a size in the NBA, right?
2: Yeah. No, Pat Bev to me, honestly. And, and I, I think most people who watch this team closely will agree. He's probably the third most important clipper. Yeah. Um, if, if you look at just, you know, uh, you know, the on off metrics, um, just what he brings to the table. He, he's like the ultimate three and D guard that you want next to ball dominant wings. Like, you know, you saw it in Houston. You're seeing it now with, with Kawhi and PG, like he's low usage, doesn't need the ball, can handle the ball and run, pick and rolls. If you need him to can play, make a little bit, but is fine spotting up. You know, he's been shooting, uh, 46% on threes in 2020, um, you know, in defensively, he he had a little bit of a down year quietly last season, you know, was not up to his normal levels. This season has bounced back is an all defensive candidate. So I I think with, with, you know, those, as long as you have those three on the court, you have a chance, I think against anybody. Yep. Um, But I I do think doc is going to have to be really careful what he does with the other two spots. Because I I think if if you're going with Lou and Trez, you have to be scoring at an insane rate, which they're capable of, Mm -hmm. but you also have to be, flawless defensively and then really be in tune with your rotations. And I just, I have seen it enough this season to, to question it.
0: What do they not like about Shamit? What are the, what is doc and the coaching staff? What is it about his game right now in his development that they just don't trust?
2: It's a good question. I, I think, I think it's a couple things. I mean, I, I think defensively he presents while not as bad, I, I think he's closer to league average defensively. Um, but, I think they're they're not high in his defense, and they're almost like if we're gonna have a a guard who can't really defend out there, let's just go with Lou. Um, I think he is a little he's also kind of fallen victim to just the realities of the rotation where Paul George starts at the two, not the three like the the clippers have opted to go bigger, not smaller. so. If you think about Paul George starting the first and third at, at, you know, at the two, then you have Lou coming in at the two. Yeah. Um, there's only so many minutes there. So Landry's actually had to play a lot at the three once they added Reggie Jackson and, and kind of slid everybody up because Lou was kind of the, the backup one for, for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, part, part of it, too, is he went through a phase during the season. I mean, he was injured to start the year um, for, for a while and he also kind of went through this phase where he wasn't very confident. He wasn't getting a lot of shots, you know, last season he was a starter on a playoff team and and to go from that to playing like, you know, 15, 20 minutes a night that it, that can be a big adjustment, especially, you know, in your second season. So um, I think it was a little bit of like the sophomore slump and and just kind of not really adjusting well to his role, but then he went through this great phase and kind of like mid January to mid February where he was rolling. And um, I think he was, you know, third or, or fourth in the team in scoring. He was averaging like 14, 15 a night. And then they added Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson. And all of a sudden, he just fell out of the rotation. And, you know, really, he's been the 10th guy. on Um on. on in, you know, if you look at the, the minutes, he's been the 10th guy in the rotation. And I asked Doc about it. He just said, you know, we have more depth now and everyone's going to play a little bit less. But kind of reading between the lines, it looks like Landry has been the guy who's lost his role the most. Yeah, And I, I think it's just because... They wanted another ball handler and, and playmaker. Reggie's played out of his mind as, as you said, you know, sixty seven percent true shooting percentage. Um, I don't think that's gonna hold up and I, I think if he starts to play like he did in Detroit the those last couple of years, um you you'll maybe see him squeeze out of the rotation and, and maybe land you play a little bit more.
0: Well he's gotten bigger apparently. He's used the the layoff to get more muscu- muscular. Yeah. Yeah,
2: i mean that's exactly. everyone's either gaining muscle or slimming down those or are the only two options down. i
0: think <laughs> said that they like accident or no they accidentally got strong i forgot who it was um a couple days ago twitter loved that that he accidentally got too too muscular um uh, a classic mistake folks um who do you think benefits and who do you think has hurt the most from this long layoff
1: in the clippers <sighs>
2: Uh, benefits, I would probably say Paul George. Okay. Um, you know, he just said that he's had a really weird season because uh, on the surface, you know, he's like 21 points, uh, six rebounds, four assists. Like those are all star level numbers, you know, not, not the same, um, you know, numbers he was putting up last year with OKC, but you know, Paul George has been pretty good and I think he's gotten, a lot of criticism in the national media from, you know, just kind of comparing him to his OKC uh, numbers and and performance and sort of criticizing him as like, you know, not the best number two option or, um, you know, kind of failing to meet expectations. And I just think a lot of it was he had double shoulder surgery in the offseason. He he was not able to work out um, until the season started. And, you know, didn't resume basketball activity until the season started, missed the entire training camp and preseason uh, and, and then comes back, at you know, after missing the first 11 games and plays pretty well. Uh, but just really, I, I think with how many injuries they've had and then him getting injured again, injuring his hamstring in, in January, like he just was never able to find any type of rhythm. Uh, so he just said that a few weeks ago he finally cleared his shoulder rehab. He's back to 100 percent. And he's actually confident, and, and he he kind of opened up and said, you know, I had insecurity during the season with my shoulders. I was concerned they were never going to fully recover. You know, I, I thought they were supposed to recover, you know, quicker than than they did. So he he kind of was dealing with that, and you can kind of see it because there was times he was passive. Um, you know, more often than not, it felt like Lou or Trez was the second option, not PG. So I think he's someone who's really going to bounce back. Um, if you're saying the guy who's going to It's tough to say. Uh, I would maybe say Reggie just because I, you know, he's averaging 20 minutes a night. And I just don't see in a a playoff setting with Pat Bev and and Lou and Kawhi and PG ramping up their minutes. I don't see how Reggie continues at this 20 minute uh, a night kind of, you know, pace. And I also think he was playing so well that. I'd be shocked if he continues shooting 45% on threes or, or, you know, 67% true shooting percentage. So uh, I think he was kind of a reclamation project that was playing really, really well and lost that momentum um, w- w- with the break. So we'll see if he can pick it up again, but I- I'm, I'm kind of skeptical uh, maybe Landry too, just because I, I think he's also going to get probably squeezed in the rotation. Um Zubots Zubats could lose a starting spot potentially. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they benched him in the, in the postseason last year. So, I think those would be the three guys I would look at. Uh, but right now, I'd say it's probably Reggie.
0: What do you think is the lineup, the five man lineup that you think Doc and the staff believes the the Lakers just they can't handle the best lineup Lakers can throw at the Clippers with this group. They still just they can't handle it, and they trust it more than anything else.
2: <sighs> I, I think it's probably Trez, Marcus Morris, Kawhi, PG, and Pat Bev. Yeah, um, I, I think you can switch. Pretty much one through five with that lineup. I, I think you have Trez and, and Marcus Morris are, you know, kind of stout guys that they have strong bases. They can get into the the back and legs of Anthony Davis in the, in the block. Um, you have Marcus, Kawhi, PG and Pat can all switch on to LeBron um, and you can kind of do one through four switching on him and then just defensively i think that's a really sound group and then offensively um you, you got trez as a screener and roller um you, you got pat and marcus as spot up guys uh, but also guys that can attack a, a closeout or just you know marcus can do stuff on like the secondary action side so um i, I think that's a nice offense defense balance where um you, you Anytime I think you're going with Trez, there's going to be some concerns with the defensive rebounding and the rim protection. I thought you saw that in the third Lakers Clippers matchup where it seemed like the Lakers started to get more lobs, more offensive rebounds, and I think that's the limitations of going with Trez, but I, I expect them to do it. I, I don't really think Doc is going to change that, so under that uh, assumption, I, I would say that's probably their best five-man closing lineup.
0: Yeah, I... Um... I, I wonder though. It, it it goes back to that whole thing of like, the Lakers' best thing is they're they're big and they're not relying on their guards, and it's really hard to match up with AD and LeBron at pick and roll. It's hard to deal with them, but part of like today's game is just uh, emphasizing what you're already good at and playing i always get nervous when teams overthink it and just go well this team is this kind of they play this way so we have to match that instead of just being like no we're gonna make them match what we're best at and i wonder if the super big lineup the clippers run out um with pg at the two is doing a little bit too much because they're too worried about uh, the Lakers. But like you said, being able to switch one through five across the board is huge against that group and stifling them and making those perimeter players on the Lakers do stuff um, is a big thing, especially with Avery Bradley. Um, Rondo's out, which um, I think by all accounts helps the Lakers. Um, we'll see, but I, uh, I don't know. I think it's gonna be interesting to see if they stick with that or if they go a little bit more offensive heavy, because they decide that they um, there's no one in the Lakers right now on the perimeter who can defend Lou Williams. Like that is something that would be very fascinating because they have to account for PG and Kawhi and who, who matches up with him at the top. Is it Caruso? I don't know, maybe, but they might um switch if they're like this, uh, the offense, the offensive numbers are just not there to make it as worthwhile as it possibly could be. So I think it's possible. Um The best component to this Clippers title chasing team is what?
1: <sighs> Oof.
2: um I, I think the versatility of their depth mm. um you know i think of course you could just say like Kawhi or pg or, or them as a, as a duo and i think that is potentially what um kind of swings us but i, I just think they are with the exception of i i guess milwaukee being the other team well i don't know I think some of the East teams can, can maybe boast similar uh, abilities, but I, I think definitely looking at the West, the Clippers are, I, I think, the only other team that can really... like They can go big against the Lakers, and they can go small against the Rockets, and I, I think they can match those teams at, at their own game at, while also potentially doing what you just suggested and, and staying kind of more true to themselves. And we, we saw that uh, right before the break, in Houston where everyone was talking about, you know, the Clippers are going to go small with Jermichael and, or Marcus at the five. And, you know, they're going to out small ball Houston and they ended up staying big and, and zoo and Trez just killed the rockets inside. And, you know, they combined, I think for like 36 points and it was just like a bloodbath on on the interior of, you know, rolls to the rim and and offensive rebounds and dunks. And uh, they, they just killed them inside. So I, I think this team you know not only are they deep where you can make the case i mean i think 1 through 10 they're probably as deep as any team in the league um but the the kind of versatility of that depth of again you, you can go with with Zoo, who's a more traditional you know seven footer or you can go with Jermichael who's a stretch five or you can go with Trez who's this kind of energy activity guy um and then you can go really big on the perimeter with with Kawhi and PG as your two wings or you can go smaller and, and kind of downsize to to you know Lou and Pat and I, I just think they have so many different looks that they can throw at you with their lineup combinations um, you know they can go offense defense big small I, I just think that it's it's they can they have an answer I think to any lineup that any team throws at them which not many teams can do I mean even before the, the injuries I think the Lakers were kind of stuck in their ways maybe they could go 80 at the five more but the Lakers were kind of what the Lakers are and, and, you know, it's not a a team with great, you know, ball handling and and creation, obviously aside from LeBron. Um, So I I think just looking at the other teams are going to face a little bit more rigidity with their rotations and and with their lineups. Whereas I I think the Clippers can adapt on the fly and and really kind of adjust in a series. um, Whereas other teams I don't really think can, can do the same.
0: That's fair. Um, last thing on the, the Clippers, and we'll wrap up on that front. Um, let's look in your crystal ball. Um, clairvoyant, Yovan. The biggest reason the Clippers do not win the championship this summer is what?
2: Oof. I, I think it would be the the defense um i, I think that is it would be the How defense and and, okay. and and part part of it is the rebounding um mm. this is a team that you know like their record is almost like identity like you can just look at their record and it's almost like whether they won the rebounding battle or not is whether they won the game um it, it's almost like identical so I, I think and part of that of course is defense you know that kind of goes into the like because offensively this is actually one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the league um and they're actually you know by rebound percentage they are a top 10 rebounding team but um i just think from watching if you look at the formula of when they lose games especially when they lose games to good teams it's almost always the defense um and i think having Kawhi and pg and even lou in in you know postseason games like you're gonna be able, like those are guys who are, you know, high level shot creators and, and shot makers, and, and those are the guys when a, a game slows down and it gets ugly. You have multiple guys you can go to to get you a bucket, and they've done it time and time again throughout, you know, the last few seasons of the, of the postseason. But defensively, I, I just think Doc is very married to this Trez Lou combo. You know, if you, if you look at the closing lineups they use. Um, it, it's always almost always them. And I, I just think like watching the Clippers match up with Milwaukee, watching them match up with the Lakers. Um, I, I have some legit concerns about that pairing. So I, I do think that if there is one reason it's because they maybe kind of cater to some of the egos and, and some of the, um, hierarchy of the team, because, you know, a- after Kwan PG, it's probably Lou and Trez as like three and four in the pecking order. But can you tell those guys, hey, like we're trying to win a title, we have to bench you and, and you know, match up X? Can those guys accept that? Or are they cool with that? Or do they have to kind of protect the, the egos and the feelings and stuff? Like, I, I don't know. But um, I think if, if I could see one thing hurting them, it would be having too many defensive liabilities uh, on the floor.
0: Interesting. Um, next up. The Denver Nuggets, um, who we talked about at the top, um, not going to be with uh, Porter and Harris and Craig to start off. Not great, Bob. Um, but aside from that, and we'll just, I, I, I think they're going to eventually come. I think that's part of it is just, it's kind of the Westbrook thing where, in the Landry Shamit thing where they're just not there yet, but um, not great if you're trying to run the table in the West, I would say. Um, first thing on them, are we worried at all about Nikolai Jokic's weight right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how you, you couldn't be. Uh, of course, there there could be trade-offs that happen. You know, he, yeah. he's more athletic, he's quicker, um, you know, and, and I, I think really defensively is where you could see a different version of him where maybe now he's quicker in the pick and roll, he's quicker rotating. Um, but that size was part of his game, right? Like that was part of his post-game. Um, that, that's kind of part of what made him special is he could kind of – dance with you and then post you up you know 16 18 feet out and, and somehow get his way to the rim um i don't know if he can do that having dropped what was it 40 am i crazy is it 40 pounds 20 pounds like i it was something crazy it might have been 40
0: because it was it, it might have been 40, it was, it it been 40. Um, i
2: think it is 40 so yeah and like that's and he was listed at 265 i think he was bigger than that so so maybe now he's like 230 240 but um you know i think that matters against you know, you're playing Utah and now you gotta go against Gobert. Like, I think that matters. You're playing the Lakers, you gotta go against Anthony Davis. Like that that was a asset that he had, uh, no pun intended. Um, that if you know he misses that, I, I just don't know if it's the same Jokic. Now he he's skilled enough where I don't you know, I, I think we're talking about an incremental decrease in his game, like, you know, five to ten percent, but that matters for this team because I, I think for them to um, you know reach their peak you need last season's version of Jokic in, in the postseason where he was you know putting up like felt like 24 15 and 8 like every game and yeah. he was just dominating and and you know uh, he was probably a top five player in the playoffs so if you get that version of him at a skinnier weight like, great. You know, he's healthier. He's, you know, more active defensively. And um, th- that's awesome. But I, I do have some concerns over um, how it affects his post game and, and just his just, you know, he was, he was a big guy. And I think that helped him on the glass. Um, I, I think it even helped him defensively a little bit. Just banging with guys in the post or, or just being a rim protector, being a big body down there. Um, and if he really lost 40 pounds, and doesn't put any of that back on. Um, you know, you're, you're, you are talking about a different player.
0: Are we sure Jamal Murray is ever going to be a good shooter?
2: That that's probably my biggest question with this team. Is I, I just think if you look at like who who else are you relying on? So let's let's say Jokic is last season's Jokic, and, and you know even this season's Jokic, but like mm-hmm. he, no drop off. He's still a top ten player in the league who are you really relying on and who do you really trust within this rotation offensively? And, you know, we saw Jamal Murray have some pretty impressive moments in, in, in last post season and, and then, um, you know, stepped up in that San Antonio series and was pretty good for, for most of the Portland series. And like, you know, he, he is someone that I think on paper is probably the number two in, in the situation that you'd want to trust. But again, you know, he, he's kind of had a weird year. I, I don't know how much you trust him, And, and then after him, it's like who? Like, is it Will Barton? Is it Paul Millsap? You know, I think he he's taken a bit of a step back this year and it's just because win. of age and, and injuries. Um, you know, and M- Michael Porter Jr. is is kind of waiting in the wings, but you don't know how much he's going to play. So, I, I just I think with Denver, um, you know, just listening to other people talk and and uh, you know, I, I think Zach Lowe. Um, I don't, I don't want to misquote him, but said at this point he would almost take anyone over Denver in the first round. Um, like he, he wouldn't pick them to come out of the first round, no matter who their matchup was. Um, and you because know, they're obviously not going to be the one seed. So, I I just think like hearing that and, and you know Kevin Pelton and different people talking about it, it's like people are low on Denver, and I do think there is some cause for concern with um you know now obviously they have all the the COVID tests and that's kind of a reason for concern. But just looking at this team and, and kind of you know, defensively, I, I think they don't match up great with big wings. Um, and, and, you know, of course, Jokic, I, I think there are some limitations to having him as your primary ring uh, rim protector. And then offensively, I, I just don't know. You know, they're a, a team that's going to rely a lot on three-point shooting and, and their shooters stepping up. And I just don't know if you, if you trust that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm a big Monty Morris guy. I remember this was really getting in the weeds in the nba uh twitter sphere uh last summer or i guess this was last spring when they when isaiah thomas signed there and it was like oh this is terrible i was super upset about it because like this is not where he needs to be like he needs to be in orlando be the sixth guy just play the dj augustine role get him out of there but monte morris is a good shooter like monte morris is a good player he's a good backup uh, point guard like I like Monty Morris a lot but for some reason he's like one of those guys that teams just like that weird thing where the coach just for whatever reason doesn't trust like um, remember in uh Washington a couple years ago it was Tomas Sadaransky where they signed Ty Lawson and they had Sadaransky yeah. who just he was good and his numbers were solid and they still were just like nope you're not in a playoff rotation you're like why are you bringing in Ty Lawson from China to wh- wh- what is happening what did who who hates Sadoransky What did he do? Um, It's the same thing with Monty Morris sometimes where I'm just like, I don't know. Um, But when you look at um, the other elephant in the room there, it's Gary Harris is um, it feels forever ago that Chris Herring wrote the Gary Harris could be the next Kawhi Leonard piece on five thirty eight. That feels like a long, 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 long time ago. Um, I love the idea of Gary Harris. It was a fair piece at the time. I just, he's the only negative of all their big minute getters on uh, according to Raptor 538s Raptor stat, which I'd love um, only one off. He's just a negative offensive player. He's not shooting the ball. Well, his shots just gone. Like it's just broken. And if you have him out there, Millsap out there, Jamal Murray, who's like never going to even shoot like league average, apparently from three. I, I don't know how you score. enough. Like, I don't know how this team functions enough. And I guess a lot of it's just hoping on Jokic's elite passing and vision to find guys. Um, But I I don't I don't think I bet on it. And like when Will Barton, I think, is clearly your second best player. I just don't think that's a recipe for getting very far um, in any kind of NBA playoff format. So I I don't know what to do there. Like Will Barton deserves a lot more credit than he gets. And also Gary Harris deserves a lot more criticism than he gets because their development is kind of stunted with his regression. Kind of similar to what happened with the Rockets with Eric Gordon who just, he has had knee soreness and he had uh, mid-season knee surgery and all that kind of stuff, but his shot falling apart kills the Rockets upside, just smothers it. If he's back to what he was two years ago, great, they they can win the title. Same thing with the Nuggets and Gary Harris, because Michael Porter Jr. is still a couple years away, like he's not playing big time minutes, he's not getting the Jason Tatum uh, treatment yet. Like It's going to take some time before they're allowing him to do a sidestep back three um, in crunch time. I don't think that's happening anytime soon. With that being said, Gary Harris is your veteran. He's the guy who needed to develop and blossom next to Barton, next to Murray, next to Jokic, next to Millsap. And that hasn't happened. And I think that is just a humongous thorn in the side of Denver's potential playoff upside.
2: I'm with you. I mean, I'm someone that I haven't given up on Gary Harris yet, but it's not looking great. What do you think? He is? Um, was he twenty-five?
0: He is twenty-five. Turns twenty-six this year.
2: Okay, um, but yeah, I mean, I I think that that's where ideally you'd like to see more of Michael Porter Jr. Like I, I um, you know, for, from from remembering the Clippers Nuggets game back in January uh, when it, that that game was in Denver and the Nuggets beat the Clippers. It, it was like, a, it was an eight, it was one of those games where it was an eight point win, but they were up by double digits for most of the game. And the Clippers made a, a late fourth quarter comeback. Uh, but Michael Porter jr. Absolutely destroyed the Clippers and they had no, you know, matchup for him. Um, uh, you know, and they're they're going small on him, so that was kind of part of it. But I, I just think as a second unit weapon, he can really change games um, if he can drop, you know, 8 to 12 points in a quarter. Um, and he definitely has that potential. Um, so you, you'd like to see him play a little bit more. And, and he's, you know, really like behind Jokic could arguably be their their second best offensive weapon. Um, yeah. You know, I, I kind of when he's hot, um, you know, but. Malone obviously you know, he's a rookie and, and defensively they they don't trust him at all and um, or should they but I, I just think when you're looking at the guy that can really raise this team ceiling unless Jamal Murray um, as you said kind of <laughs> becomes a really good shooter overnight or Gary Harris bounces back to where he's been in previous years like I, I feel like it ha- it's it's Porter Jr or nothing and and that's where this team um, I I just think depending on like if they you know, we talked last time about Houston and, and how high we are in Houston. If they match up with Houston in the first round, like it's hard not to pick Houston. Oh no, um, I'm even
0: pencil uh, that one in. <laughs> and,
2: and, and also another thing we gotta mention is like they're one of the biggest losers of home court advantage being eliminated because, yeah. you know, the altitude and and how, you know, that cr- well, the the crowd's okay. But really it, it's mainly time. the altitude and, and just kind of the challenges of playing in Denver. Like that that's been one of the toughest places to play for forever. So, um I think them losing that as well and it looked like they were going to be the 3 seed, um so they would have had at least home court advantage in one round. Like that that I think that's going to hurt them. And if they play uh Houston, OKC, Dallas, like I think any of those three teams could beat them. Um it, it would not
0: surprise me. All right, well, let's talk about that last team quickly. The Dallas Mavericks. Um <laughs> I'm just going to give you some Luka stuff real quick. Luka has an 8.7 more on this team. One of the best in the NBA. Third in offensive Raptor. Fifth in total Raptor. There are only four players ahead of him in this. Kawhi, Giannis, Harden, and LeBron. Um, He is, everything you look at is just, he's going to be the MVP of the league in the next two to three years. Like, that's that's happening. Um this is his first opportunity to really show out um, and we'll have to see what the seating looks like. But if they get the six seed or the seven seed, if they get matched up with the Clippers and we've talked about this, um, I'm very fascinated what happens here because Dwight Powell was a, like a really important cog at the four for them. And it's probably gonna be Maxi Kleber um, at the four, or they can go super small with uh, Dorian Finney Smith, who usually starts at the three. Um, that lineup though, I, I, I'm concerned because like if they get matched up with the Clippers in round one and they have to use their second most used lineup in the season, which was um, Doncic, Curry, Hardaway, uh Finney Smith, and Porzingis. Like, I don't know how that can handle the Clippers late in games. I don't, I, I don't think that's, it, it, I understand the idea behind it. Maybe like Carlisle loves playing three point guards and everything else, but like, I don't know. Do you think the Clippers are at all concerned about the, the the Mavericks going super small and just a bunch of rangy shooters and then Doncic just trying to go God mode um, on uh, Kawhi Leonard? It,
2: so I dug into this matchup uh, back in. March, once things got postponed and I had some free time on my hands. And I do really think this is a bad matchup for the Mavericks.
0: Same.
2: Um and I think we, we might have talked about this a little bit last time, but um on on one end, you have arguably the the team that's best equipped to defend Luca in the league with Kawhi, with PG, with Pat Bev. Um Rodney Magruder actually played him pretty well in, in the two regular season matchups. Um e- even a guy like Marcus Morris, I, I think can, you know, kind of hang with him a little bit. Um so I, I think watching how well the Clippers defended Luca in the regular season, he still got his 28, 29, but I think he shot like 36, 37 percent. Um he did get to the free throw line a lot, but I thought some of those calls are calls he's not gonna get in the postseason, especially his first postseason. Uh, so I just think, you know, Luca, you know, still might get his because he's that great. But if he's doing so as offic- as inefficiently as he was, uh, you know, the Clippers were really being physical with him, really, um, you know, pushing him away from his spots. And anytime he got into the paint, they were they're hammering him. I-, I just think that's not a great matchup for Luca, uh, especially in his first postseason. Then on the other side. Dallas doesn't, you know. Dallas, I, I think, is is another team that's that's deep. They do have some lineup versatility, but if they do have a weakness defensively, it's they their wings are not really, you know, that good in terms of matching up with bigger wings. Like, you know, t- Tim Hardaway is about six five, six six. Dorian Finney Smith is really skinny, and uh, you know, Kawhi absolutely destroyed Dorian Finney Smith. I mean, he had one possession where he literally caught it, faced him up, took one dribble, and dunked on him, and it was just like. Th- this is not like, so I think what they're going to have to do is that they're going to have to play a lot of Maxi Kleba. Mm. And, and, you know, he was the guy who kind of checked Kawhi okay, at, at least forced him in, into jumpers. But then you're, you're taking away from your, are kind of, you know, porzingis at the five and, and going with, you know, four shooters and Kleba can shoot a bit, but I, I don't, you know, I think it kind of changes your look offensively. So, I mean, Carlisle is an amazing coach, you know, he's one of the best coaches in, in modern history. So I, I think, he can figure that out and, and make it a, a five or six game series. But I just think looking at their wings and the way they match up with Kawhi and PG, it's a really bad matchup. Like I, I think they, all, you know, I think they match up better with the Lakers. I, I think they match up better with the nuggets, with, with the Rockets, like just the Clippers specifically with their, their scoring prowess on the wing. Uh, I think that's like the one weakness. And of course, obviously Luca isn't going to be checking Kawhi or PG. So I, I just, Uh, Yeah, I I think this is a bad matchup for so if any team is trying to move up in the post, you know, I I think it's Dallas. And if Dallas moves up, look, they have this or go down. But they have the third best net rating in the West. And, um, you know, they're two and nine in games decided by three points or, or, or fewer. And that's the worst mark in the league. So and some of that we've seen with teams like the Timberwolves in the past where they have some bad luck in close games. Um, and and, you know, Dallas has probably had some of that. So if that kind of tilts in their favor, all of a sudden they win a few more games and are, you know, the four or five seed potentially. So I think Dallas is, is a team. No one's going to want to see in the first round because, you know, Porzingis was hitting his stride. Um, and and at his peak, he's a all-star, you know, all-star level player. So you, you pair that with an MVP and that's a really tough out. And that's why, um, you know, what I did a, a ranking recently of, of, teams that the Clippers wouldn't want to face. And I had Dallas kind of high because it was just like, um, I'd rather play OKC than Dallas. Um, I, I know that might not be a popular opinion, but, um, I, I'm more afraid of, of, of you know, Luca and KP than like Chris Paul and Shea or Chris Paul and Gallo. Like that, um, you know, that I just think that that's more of a, a matchup problem. So, I'm high on Dallas. I think they're good, but I think the Clippers is a bad matchup for them.
0: Same. All right. Well, we have to wrap here. We have to, we have to run, but uh, this has been great. Jovan, as always, what can we check out from you this week on the athletic? Uh, this week,
2: I'll have some updates on Kawhi's status. What's going on with him. Um, as we talk to the team, he's now with them in Orlando. Um, I potentially have a story on the hoop bus, if you haven't heard of it, uh, look that up on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I have a feature coming out on them, and I revisit the Clippers Rockets uh, tunnel feud mm. uh, if you remember that oh, from a couple I, oh, years yes. ago.
0: I very much remember the, um, the trap that, that
2: fun night. Yes, yeah, so just uh, kind of revisiting that, and um, it, it's feud week at the athletics so that that's the feud I'm writing on. So that's a fun yeah,
0: one. Uh, check check that out. Basketball is the best. What would we do without stuff like that? And maybe we will get an NBA bubble version of that. Like (laughs) that, that (laughs) uh, might happen. Um, uh, Who knows? Uh, The NBA probably would not want that, but uh, I think that's uh, one of the things we can we can hope for. Um, All right, (laughs) well, this has been great. Like I said, and I appreciate the time. As always, good sir. Stay safe out there, and we will be back again very soon. You too, man.
1: This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or co-worker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast, hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.